What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. What's going on, fellas, or uh, as I should say, uh, my man, since I'm speaking to you, whether you're listening or watching this on uh, YouTube, I'd like to speak to you as if uh, we're having a a one-on-one conversation here. And in this case, we've got uh, an amazing three-way conversation with a brother from another mother all the way on the other side of the world coming in from Bali. Terrence Cafre, thank you, brother, for being here. He's a men's coach. He's a mentor. Uh, You facilitate workshops we were just rapping we i had to like stop us from just chatting the whole it's like we got to start recording this stuff this is good stuff but thank you for being here i really appreciate you taking time yeah i'm really looking forward to our conversation 100 um i would like to you know just because we actually have to start talking about so many good things that's got my my brain mm-hmm. turning why don't you guys why don't you tell the tell the listeners viewers just a little bit about yourself. Obviously, I could, uh, t- you know, speak off of your bio that you provided, which I appreciate. But I'd love to hear more from the the horse's mouth. Um, just a little bit about more about your just your background without going into too much of your your story. But I'd like to kind of then get into maybe some archetypes and various other things. Um, but what what brought you into doing men's work and um, all the various other things that you've done with your coaching practice? Yeah. Okay. Thanks for the opportunity. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Had a had a drilled all down i was just uh just <laughs> considering how to deliver you know a life journey and something that's digestible but um i think yeah. the the main uh thing was that i i i went into studying health and the mind and the body uh at a younger age and it kind of led me into just studying lots of things with psychology and uh emotions and and health and wellness and then um it kind of came to a head when i was uh, in my in my early to mid thirties, and joined my first men's group, and sitting with this group of very accomplished men in Santa Barbara, and doing a journey with them for nine years with these eight men, where we we dive deep, and these were community leaders and successful business guys, and they we went through divorce experiences together, births, um, marriages, and deaths in the family, and. And being able to uh, experience vicariously in an intimate container that was shared very, very openly and vulnerably over those nine years, I learned so much about what it is to be a man and not some theoretical, philosophical perspective, but in the trenches, like what it takes to show up on that night when you haven't been able to sleep for days because your woman has just been, you know, in whatever state or, you know, the baby's been crying for days on end or the business is, is about to tank or whatever the thing was. And I felt like, um, it was just this amazing crash course in, in being a man and, um, realized that I 
gained so much from that. I was, I was the youngest guy in the group for a long time before I invited another younger guy than myself in mm. and uh, felt like I had an obligation to then bring that to other men, that, that understanding. And um, it's, it's just become very obvious since that, that that was a direction that felt right for me. Well, it's, it's kind of sobering, isn't it? I feel like I had a similar but different experience in terms of like before we started recording, I was telling you about my experience with Tony Robbins. That's the first time that I acknowledged and kind of felt like, oh, everything that I've been experiencing in my life <clears throat> and feeling, not only as a, as a man, but just as a human being, like this whole room of 4,500 other people all pretty much feel the same way too. I thought uh, and maybe had a lot of shame that I I thought I was broken. I thought I was different in that sense. There was something actually comforting. Uh, and then the more work that I've done with men, specifically with like men's work is to like acknowledge, oh, we're so much more similar than we are different. You know, you're, you're born in Australia. I'm born in the US. And yet we're, we're, no matter the skin color, the, the background, we actually all have very similar emotions, very similar blocks, frustrations, challenges. So I think it's cool that you had that experience with a, a ton of other men in Santa Barbara um, to kind of be like, oh, this is, this is interesting. And that kind of propelled you into doing your work, it sounds like. Yeah, it, it really did. And it's super interesting that it's, it's our similarities that um, unite us and it's our differences that help us grow like through the contrast in yeah. the world. And yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I, <clears throat> I find the world really interesting at the moment that there is such a focus on the differences and um, I've dreamt into it of, of, it seems like it's a, uh, you know, if I take out the idea of, you know, there being these organized structures that are against me and just having a look at the experience of life on this planet, it seems like a really interesting experiment of, of, taking this idea of individuated ego structures and you know maybe mm. once upon a time we had an ego that was a was a tribe and there was no individuals within the tribe just like maybe if we could have a look at a a bunch of lemmings they're just one thing or a you know a bunch of swallows that are all in the sky and i imagine at some point humans were like that but we uh we've individuated more and more and more until we we're these separate units and like, we don't even really identify in the West now with our family so much. We're an individual that is distantly related to our brothers and sisters and parents. Yeah. And, and then taking that step further, it seems like even within that individual ego structure, we're starting to find people are battling within themselves of like, Oh, there's a part of me that's like this. And there's a part of me that's like that. And I'm really conflicted and confused. And, um, and so, yeah, those differences seem to be, part of the the cosmic game that we're playing with ourselves at the moment well you talk about it kind of different and i felt like too um that there's been at times like different parts of me that have been at war within themselves you know and within me yeah. uh and i feel like sometimes that has driven um self-sabotage whether it be in relationships or work or even when i was younger in school and that sort of thing but i do know that some of the, again, some of the ahas, whether it be going through various personality profile assessments, reading books. Um, and I know a, a, a lot of the work that I've seen you do on social media talks about various archetypes. And for me to be like, oh, like that's why I feel pulled to that. Or that's why I feel like I push away from that. Like there's different archetypes. And I didn't know anything about archetypes in the first place when I first started kind of getting into 
personal development, even men's work, um, more specifically men's work and uh, in, in reading King Lover Warrior Magician. Like, I'm curious if you have, um, if you kind of expand upon various archetypes that, that are in certain books, if you've made up your own, like what are some of the archetypes that you work with men specifically that you feel like are some of the ones that really need to be harnessed more and that men tend to like maybe shy away from, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I haven't really considered that a lot, but to expand it out beyond those four primary yeah. masculine archetypes, um, there's the four general archetypes of Jung as well, which is the persona, the self, and, and, oh, geez, what are the other two? Um, uh, the animus, anima, and um, the, the shadow, I believe. And mm-hmm. so with that one, the, the shadow is, I think, one that people necessarily shy away from because it's the unknown, totally. it's the darkness, it's our, it's it's scary. our um, scary parts. Yeah. Um, yeah. But in, in those more revealed archetypes in the masculine of the King Warrior Magician Lover, <clears throat> I, um, I think the warrior would be the one that men have been disavowed of the most and have been totally. led to believe it is the least deserving of existing in our world today. And uh, I, I've seen many people justify the diminishment of the warrior archetype citing the ways that the shadow warrior in the past has shown up um, by doing horrible things. But the, the reality is without the, without the warrior, we'd be lost. We, it's an absolutely essential aspect of the male psyche. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to say too, uh, for me, I agree. I feel like uh, having been raised as uh definitely as a, a nice guy, I definitely see you, you know, put reels out there and various content on the nice guy. Um, yeah. I've had Dr. Robert Glover on the podcast. We've talked about like his no more Mr. Nice guy book. I feel like a lot of guys resonate myself included being a quote unquote recovering nice guy. A big part of that is like, I would at times feel the warrior come up in me and I would resonate with Braveheart and 300 and right. gladiator. So many different movies. I'm like, ah, oh, and then, wonder where is my fight where or where is my um where is the fight taking place where's the war like i wish i kind of sometimes would live back in those times because then it was just very clear about who the enemy was and i could step into being a hero in a way that made me feel like okay this is my purpose like i have value but in this day and age i felt like i don't know what my value is i don't know and i know you talk about that a lot which is why i bring it up and i want to kind of get into it like what is it that like what is men's empowerment like it almost is like men are almost ashamed to be quote-unquote powerful or to be a warrior in that sense and to allow that to emanate from them because i think they're scared of it they're afraid they're going to hurt people or going to be violent you know i mean yeah you know well if i have a look at what the warrior represents for me and to instead of imagining it as someone going out there and shooting, killing, or waving a sword and and battling foes, um, the from the perspective of the king, warrior, magician, lover um, constellation, the king is like King Arthur and uh, the Arthurian 
vision of that than one of his lead warriors would have been Lancelot or, um, and the way that the warrior would have behaved would, he'd be, he'd be there to, um, to protect the borders of that kingdom. And if we take that kingdom down to, okay, well, what is, what is your kingdom? What is my kingdom and its essence? It's probably my heart, my, my essence, my soul. And if those uh, archetypes were at play within me, like how am I creating boundaries for my soul? And do I have the skill to be able to monitor and defend those boundaries? Not necessarily needing to go out and attack others. That may be something that is necessary to my psyche at some point. But then it's like with my body, am I defending and protecting my body? And then maybe it's my family or my house and then maybe my community and, and, building upon those structures within and then extending them without and someone who's very effective at that a really good king who has mastered that art of being a king i think existence would then offer them the opportunity to to play out that role with an effective warrior in the world um and they would probably amass a lot of people around them that would identify them as as their king now i feel like you're speaking my language, uh, obviously this being the Becoming Kings podcast, but having written a book that kind of really speaks to that, granted my name is King and I play off of that kind of just haha. Um, but I don't necessarily um, proclaim that I feel like I've, you know, achieved uh, being a king <laughs> in my life, but I feel like that's what I'm in pursuit of. And maybe that's a, a wrong approach in, in, in my mind, but I do feel like a big part of that idea first and foremost to your point is to protect yourself to know who you are right to know your purpose to have a vision um and i was i'm kind of curious about that because i feel like a big part of um stepping into to one's you know king archetype is just taking responsibility for uh you know the integrity of your word um the responsibility just for your life in general. Right. And I know uh, you you've said that in the past too, that like claiming one's responsibility, a, a man claiming his responsibility is a gift to himself, to his family and the world. And I'm just wondering if you could kind of expand upon that, because how is that a gift uh, for a guy that maybe is listening to this and be like, okay, this is interesting. I do need to claim more of my life responsibility for my life, but how is that going to emanate out and be a gift to loved ones into the world at the end of the day. Um, it feels like there's so much in that question, but I'll, I'll just wrap yeah. as it, as it comes, <laughs> as it comes to me. Um, so for starters, a, a man, for me, a man that has claimed his sovereignty, claimed his responsibility is a trustworthy man for me, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. It's like, Someone that I know that I can't easily manipulate or push around or isn't working with some subtle agendas that his word and his actions are in alignment. Um, to me, that's that's a man that I feel safe around. And I don't feel mm-hmm. like he's trying to have power over me. He he has trying to have power over himself and to claim mm-hmm. that autonomy in the world. And um, it inspires me. It inspires me to want to align myself with a man like that to see what he's working on because it must be a righteous project or purpose that he's aligned with. Right. And, um, and if it's aligned with me, it's like, Hey, let's collaborate here. 
Uh, I don't need to compete with you. I don't need to watch you totally. or be wary of you. Um, so I think in, in simple terms as a gift, like a man that is, has claimed his responsibility for his life. He's no longer playing the victim card. He's no longer seeking to have power over others. He's looking to conquer himself and not in a way to beat himself, but to, to master the principles of being a man. I think it bodes well for us to consider like, what is, what is this King that we are striving for? Like you say, you don't, mm -hmm. you haven't actualized this sense of King. And I would say, I don't know any man in the world that has actualized it because it's an archetype. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah. a state of perfection, but what is that state of perfection? And one of the hallmarks that, um, uh, that in the book, King Warrior Magician Lover by uh, Gillette and uh, Moore wrote was that the king has surrendered the sense of self, of ego identity in service of something that's greater. Mm -hmm. And the king is the, 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 um, the perfect servant to the divine. He has surrendered his will to that of the divine will. And now mm -hmm. claiming responsibility in one's life to say every single action that I make is actually something that's coming through me for the greater good. There is no agenda here from my own desires, from my own egoic needs and wants and fears and whatever else. It's all in service to the, the divine will. Now, a man like that, well, to be around a man like that or to be a man like that, like we have, we have these archetypes like the Christ. And he had surrendered his own will for that of divine will. And we can think of other archetypes similarly. And so they're, they're these states of near or close to perfection that help us to navigate all of the ways that we are on our journey back home, which if you have a look in traditions of Hinduism and Buddhism, it's all to say, surrendering your own desires to find complete bliss and harmony within self and with all things that are around us. So when I have a look at the king archetype in a directional sense rather than a destination sense, someone who is claiming that responsibility of that path and my work, I, you know, I hear you say becoming kings is your shtick for your business and mine is the path of the king. It's the same thing, right? We, we've come into a realization that for me to have fulfillment of this life for myself, I want to feel some progress toward yeah. that ideal of being a king and a man who is honestly, authentically on that path to me as a man, I just, I want to be around and I want to be. Mm. Mm. At the very beginning that you said a man who's claimed his sovereignty, right? And I feel like um, this for many men and, and maybe myself included, it's been, man, it's been a, over a decade journey of, of finally being woken up. You know, it was a result of, uh, of a previous marriage falling apart when I was 30 to be like, I'm so not proud of being this man. And, uh, you know, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have really wanted to be married to that guy either, quite frankly. Right. So I felt like she and I both divorced that guy. And he's gone. He never, he's never returned. Right. And so a big part of that for me though, has been um, working to, to, and it's still a work in progress to truly like 
appreciate and love myself, to be secure in who I am, not to look at what other men have, right? And so I think a big part of that claiming sovereignty or the idea that I have of like becoming a king someday is kind of like a guy who, and, I, and I've seen it like my grandfather before he passed away, um, it's just like men who don't kind of, I kind of don't give a fuck. <laughs> not, not about like, they just have very few fucks to give. Let's just be honest. And they're like, they know what they stand for and they don't like, they're just going to tell you their opinion, you know, and your opinion is not going to sway their opinion. And they just kind of, they, they know what lane they're staying in and they're just true to themselves. And you're right. I can trust them. And I don't feel like they're going to sway in the wind like I would have back in the past when I was quote unquote a nice guy, just letting someone's opinion or someone, you know, what they think of me to, I'd have to mold myself and be a chameleon. And so I think that's a big part of it. And do you feel like coming back to my question, do you feel like that's, I'm sure that's one part of it is self-love, right? But how does one come to claim their, take responsibility for their sovereignty? Hmm. Yeah, that really touched me when you said, um, yeah, just working on loving yourself and 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 claiming your space in that way. Uh, appreciate that. Um, yeah. You know, it's um it's a very personal thing. Again, I think claiming sovereignty is is not necessarily a destination because I I've been I've been at it as well for for a long time, <laughs> 15 years or so yeah. of recognizing yeah. I I don't want to be um, a slave to any system. I want to be sovereign. And noticing even today, even in my life at the moment, the ways that I give power to things outside of me to determine how I feel about something or how I react or what I think about something. And uh, what the opposite of someone who is sovereign to me is, is someone who is a slave to something. And mm. there's systems and uh, institutions of power out in the world that are constantly seeking for us to give across our sovereignty to them, for them to claim like they have the connection to truth and they have the authority to tell us what to think and feel. And um, when we allow this to happen, we allow those systems and institutions to have more power because we gave it to them. And Quite frankly, I I think that's one of the greatest um, issues that we have in the world today is that, especially I think all people, but for me especially men, have given up their sovereignty for a sense of security and safety, and they yeah, have I given mean. across their um, their power to some system, whether it's a government, whether it's a police force, whether it's their workplace, whether it's a monarch or whatever, whether it's a religion, and said, you know what? I'm not going to claim responsibility for knowing what's true here. I'm going to rely on you to tell me what's true, and I'm going to believe that. And, uh, you know, I, I see pretty much every drama we have in the world today stemming from that simple disavowment of that responsibility well i think that's a great point because i think that's what i i stumbled that stumbled into that just as a result of like my house of cards falling down right i really felt like i was doing a lot of imposter syndrome and kind of built a a glass house so to speak um and so when my marriage 
kind of crumbled, I think that's when I really realized and woke up to kind of how disenfranchised I was too. You mentioned workplace, you know, uh, police force, government. For me, it was almost just even like this vision of like um, how I was raised to be a good little Christian boy, you know, just go to school, get a good job, you know, uh, get a good education, get married, have, you know, 2.7 kids, you know, white picket fence, the whole kind of old school American dream. And I realized when, uh, when I went through my divorce, that was like, I was, I was fighting for something that I actually really didn't even want. And when I woke mm-hmm. up to being like, I don't want anyone to tell me how much vacation I can take. I don't want anyone to tell me when I need to get to work or when I need to go to bed. There's a part of me that was like, I want to kind of give a fuck you to the system of not even the system per se, but just like everything that I had preconceived or been programmed into my head about what it meant to just have a quote unquote successful life. And now it's been over a decade of just really working like what, what actually fulfills me, which I think comes back around full circle to this conversation of like, stepping into being a man, being a king. It's like asking the true questions of like, what, what do you ultimately want? And I think for me, it's so important to have men like you who are coaching as well as doing workshops, facilitating, uh, you know, retreats and that sort of thing, because I feel like you can listen to even listen to this podcast, which might be a good start for a lot of guys. But I often tell them like, cool that you're listening to this podcast, like kudos to you. But like now, if you resonate with Terrence, like reach out to him, like figure out what type of workshops he's doing, what type of retreats he's doing, because I feel like that's where the real work gets done to start shifting paradigms in oneself. So I went off on a couple of tangents, but I do feel like the work that you're offering men is, is hugely powerful. And I would like you to kind of maybe also expand upon why, if you don't mind, if we go in this direction, why particularly workshops, retreats, whether it be co-ed or or just men's uh is so powerful compared to just doing therapy or listening to a podcast or reading a book you know Hmm. uh yeah the that's a really important point what you're bringing up like why gather men together yeah Uh, and it's like one of the one of the things i'm going to really be pushing soon is to encourage all men to join a men's group yeah and whether that's a an ongoing men's group, whether that's uh, going to a retreat, whether that's just having a, a group of guys you go and play cards with on a regular basis. Yeah. But men define masculinity from within an, a group of men. Mm. By witnessing other men demonstrate masculine virtues, we naturally want to like find where we fit in with that other group of men. And we, we have it within ourselves to notice what we admire in others and then to emulate and practice that. And so to, to hear the stories and to live in the theory and, and listen to the podcast and read the books, there's not this epistemological bodily experience of, yeah. oh, this is, this is what it feels like to be in the presence of a man. And me growing up, I had such issues with my father mm. and uh, I, I just was in rebellion. I was in, I was in complete defiance of everything that he represented. And, you know, now as I'm older, I've come into a better relationship uh, fortunately, he died many years ago. But mm. with the with the memories of him and and seeing the the lessons that he offered, uh, but I had such resistance to any man that had any attributes that I admired because I just had this energy of any man that I see as powerful, I am defiant to. 
And it was one of the greatest mm. steps of courage that I made to allow myself internally to just say, wow, this is an amazing man. I have a lot to learn from him. Mm. And that may seem like a simple thing to you. For me, for most of my life, that was like, hell no, I cannot let any yeah. man in my mind be better than me. I have to compete mm. with them all. I have to be better. And it was a survival need for me because I, mm. I felt like if I, if I didn't protect myself in that way that I'd you know, I, I, I was afraid of for my life with my father. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah. Um, and so that it brings me to this concept of, um, of being in a group of men that is uh, both supportive and challenging to mm-hmm. my ego parts mm-hmm. uh, is really necessary. And that's why workshops and, and retreats are particularly good but men's groups, especially so. And there's a lot of evidence to say that men do really well when they have what's I've heard termed an honor group, a group of men that they stick with throughout their life. And Mm. even if they don't have much in common, even if they're not friends with each other, there's a commitment there that they're, they're brothers for life. And, uh, you know, I could tell you some great stories of being in Kenya and, and, hearing about the rites of passage work of these young boys and the, the boys that they go through the rite of passage with, they're, they're called a Moran. And this Moran stays together through their whole life. And to the point um, in the tribal communities where they can uh, share punishment among them. Like if one was to be caught stealing and had to get 50 lashes, then out of the group of five of these boys or young men, they could say, well, we'll take 10 each. And, mm. uh, you know, they would share a lot of things. They were, they were considered kind of one entity broken up into five different personalities. Mm. And, um, but they would stick together through their life and, and they would have these perpetual reflections. Uh, and so seeing that, that's one of the most important things to me of men doing their work in personal with, with a mirror to reflect self back to self. And um, I really love the coaching relationship where, you know, you experience this as well. It's, it's not just for the, the client's benefit. Like when I sit down in a session, like I'm meeting myself as well. I get to see parts of myself in my client yeah. um, that, that if I'm, if I'm truly doing my job as a coach, my world gets rocked as well. Yeah. And uh, I just had a, I just had a client call the other day where we went into some really deep states of, of um, existential drama and like what is the nature of this reality and so on and uh i came out of it and i had to take some hours to myself to just sit down and i go wow i'm, I'm really rattled right now yeah um because it's my obligation in my mind as a coach to to really meet that person and i i noticed that the more that i let myself get met in those coaching calls that the client also is able to really break through those places because they're not they're not alone in their journey then you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we do. We, we're there to hold each other accountable and to support each other and to, to reflect each other back. Um, but another point on that, on that topic of, of uh, why these things are important is they are forms of rites of passage, going to these retreats or, or yeah. enlisting a, a ritual elder. And, you know, you and I as coaches, we're, we're claiming that role as like, well, we're, we're an elder for you. And it may not be that we're necessarily older in age, but we may have walked a little bit further along the path than someone in, in the ways they're trying to meet themselves. Mm. And to be this ritual elder for someone is to essentially 
take them through their rites of passage into deeper states of manhood. Now, rite of passage to me is not something that's a single event that happens. It's a perpetual unfolding. Yeah. We have rites of passage all through our life, and we can pick the ones that were really big, like the death of a parent or the birth of a child or a marriage or, you know, ejaculating for the first time. They're all rites of passage for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing that is really, really missing in our culture, I would say, and it's massively to the detriment of men, um, is that there are no formalized rites of passage for boys. Mm-hmm. And the best we've got is things like the military, um, or maybe in some religious traditions, they have, you know, an age rite of passage. But, uh, yep. you know, I often wonder what it'd be like with this beautiful biological rite of passage that all boys go through when they have their first seed, when they ejaculate for the first time. That mm-hmm. what if when that happened, that the men of that family or the, the, older brothers and the uncles and the father all came together and took that boy aside and said, Hey, nature life has just said to you, you are now at a point of being responsible to create life. You now Mm -hmm. have been gifted the possibility to create life. And with this power comes great responsibility. And to, to have a, a, an acknowledgement of that. It's like, okay, how much would our, you know, rates of sexual assault drop um, rates of unwanted pregnancies drop Uh, the the you know responsibility for sexual energy in the world with men how much would that come into a clean relationship if boys at that first point like the addiction to porn is is something i've got my attention on at the moment with so Mm -hmm. many young men suffering from from that particular addiction which is which is, I think, a pan- one of the truest pandemics that we got going at the moment. 100%. 100%. And if, if we were to come into a relationship with that and to start formalizing rites of passage. And so to your point, um, I think gathering with groups of men uh, is both intrinsically super important because we have these ongoing reflections of self that we can gauge our progression as a man from and also they're embedded within those connections are these rites of passage where there's acknowledgement of of certain things that we've done which is amazingly reinforcing for our ego to know that we are being a good and true man yes yes i i I love everything i mean there's so much that we could do another whole hour on (laughs) all of what you just said on that part but i completely agree with you especially from the sense that like yeah I, i I personally can can speak to uh, also not having a great relationship with my father at all. If anything, I, I remember thinking like, I want to be uh, the opposite. I just was like, right. I'm, I'm going to be the opposite of my father. Right. Uh, and gratefully to, to your point, like he's still around. My mom passed away, but I now have an amazing relationship with him. I'm so grateful. But a lot of that was also coming to, to be more empathetic and compassionate uh, for him and for myself, you know, um, but I didn't have literally until up until 2019 was the first time I did a mankind project um, retreat. And it was just so powerful for me to be in a group of 35, you know, warriors, if you will, going through their kind of weekend long process with 60 men who stood behind us, who were all volunteering their time just because they were honoring the process and honoring us. 
I've never felt that uh, safe, that seen, that like, I never felt whatever I was feeling, just like that supported by a community of men, you know, that was like, this is fascinating because I'd always gone to the feminine, gone to my mom, to my sisters, to my school teachers, to my girlfriends, to my wife, ex-wife, all that stuff to, to take my question of, do I have what it takes to be a man? Right. Uh, stealing what John Eldridge says in Wild at Heart. It's like I took that question to the feminine, to the woman, and she could never answer that for me. So it's just been really interesting that I'm still pretty new in doing my own men's work. Um, and now I've done a lot of other men's retreats that that's, I'm so grateful why you kind of hit upon that and took that much deeper because I'm like, even having done the Tony Robbins stuff and just tons of personal development work, there's something completely different and transformative by just doing men's only retreats or workshops, you know? So I'm kind of curious though, what that looks like for you. Do they, would men, if they were to reach out to you, is it all virtual? Is it in Bali? Is it in person? Like what, what do your workshops or retreats and coaching for that matter all look like? Yeah. Uh, you really had me engaged with that last spiel that you got. And like you said, we could speak on it for totally. for a while. I, I feel lit up at the moment. I'm like, oh my God, yes, so important. Yeah. Uh, so uh, to your question, um, workshops, I'm I'm doing some here in Bali and uh, they're, cool. uh, they're, they're pretty deep dives uh, for men. Um, and uh, you can reach out to me directly if you want to know more. I usually do them in collaboration with other guys here. And there's a mixture of, just pure men's work adventure um, settings uh, cool. where we get out and explore nature and, you know, Love it. you know, get around fire at night and, and like do the, do the man's thing like under the stars and uh, I love that. and also some tantric elements as well, getting into, you know, how do we come into relationship with the feminine within ourselves and, and uh, with deeper connections with men and with our sexuality and so on. So there's, there's a lot of different flavors that are going on there with um, retreats. And uh, a lot of the stuff that I'm doing at the moment, though, is online because I'm, uh, you know, in a place that's not really accessible to a lot of people. Sure. Uh, the online stuff. So I'm, I'm putting out more content now around uh, these, these masterclasses and small cool. courses online where people can learn the stuff. But um, yeah, the coaching is, is probably where the, the greatest value that I'm offering is at the moment. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's, it's the way that, you know, someone's very unique signature of, of what they're wanting to work on comes out and, and can be addressed rather than something that's maybe a little bit more broad and, and non-specific to that person. So, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, if they, people want to find out more, they can always just reach out to me and I can, I can guide them into what would be, in my opinion, the best thing for them. hundred percent. I was going to say, and I'll put your uh, links into my show notes, but is the best way Instagram, is that your website? What's the best way to connect with your email? Yeah. So they can do, um, they can do the website or Instagram, probably the two best ways at the moment. And uh, yeah, they'll be, they'll be in the, in the notes, I'm sure. Okay. Yeah. Temple-coaching.com, right. Or at Temple Coaching on Instagram. Right. Cool. Um, before we wrap, I've got a couple of questions I want to ask you, which I, I like to, to ask men who are facilitating other men and to also show that, you know, the process that, that you're in, that I'm in is, uh, it, it never ends, right. It's just a continue right. continuation of working on ourselves. Um, first and foremost, 
what are what would be three books that you'd recommend a guy who's just kind of getting into to the work, uh, whether he's just getting to it or he's not? What are three books that you really like to recommend to other men that kind of must reads? Wow, there's so many. Um, <laughs> you know, I <clears throat> doesn't have to be your top three. Okay, so yeah. uh, I. There's a book by Robert Masters that uh, my men's group used as kind of a Bible for it. It was called How to Be a Man. Um, mm. uh, Robert Augustus Masters wrote that book. I think it's a really solid book and uh, covers a lot of ground within it. Um, I just finished a book by Jack Donovan, which mm. uh, is called The Way of Men. And that that book also I, I found really impactful. It, I thought it was pretty raw and he uh, he delivers it in a, in a really like unapologetic way, which I, I enjoyed. It's not a long read, um, but the, the, the message in it is really powerful. And, you know, I'm going to go back to a classic. Uh, I, I have danced with this, the concepts in this book and had a lot of people reflected back for a long time. And I think it still stands the test of time. Uh, and that's the way of the superior man by David. Yeah, I love it. I love and, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's a, it's a solid one. So I, those, those three would be my recommendations at this point. I love it. Well, what what is uh, for you personally? What's an edge that you are leaning into that you're pushing yourself on to continually expand? Um, if that makes sense, what what's an area of your life that you're currently working on improving? Uh, I think the biggest place, um, honestly, there's there's two. It's uh, I've been I've been the perennial technician or the perennial scholar in my life. I just love learning stuff, and uh, to be able to put it into a business model and to promote it, like I I love doing the work, but then to do the work about delivering the work and and creating in the world has been has been a challenge for me, and mm. uh, so I'm actively working on that. Uh, and I'd say the other area that's got a lot of my attention is how to how to be settled in relationship and not be the guy that's always doing the peter pan grass is always greener thing and how mm-hmm. to settle settle myself in to find um to find contentment in the situation that i'm in rather than needing to take myself somewhere else to try and find some elusive satisfaction mm. uh that one's that's a pretty vulnerable and challenging thing that I've been working on for a while, and but it has my attention. Yeah, I appreciate that, and it's interesting as I've you know dated in Colorado, and uh, I've heard it from a lot of women, um, including my current girlfriend. It's just that there's a lot of Peter Pans in Denver, boys that don't want to grow up, and they just uh, they just want to adventure all the time and not settle down and. Um, and I get that that can be extremely frustrating on their part. I imagine, you know, women who are looking for someone who wants to maybe create a life together, <clears throat> but I agree with you. I think there's a, I really appreciate your vulnerability and transparency on that. I think there is a fine line and I have had other friends of mine that are dear, dear friends some of my best friends who've asked me like, Johnny, when is it ever going to be enough? Like you're always focusing on improving. And I've noticed that at the beginning for me, um, you know, when I was 30 up until probably 36, 37, it was all about, I'm not enough and I need to fix myself. I need to become, 
you know, something that I'm not. And it was probably in, like when I was 36, I did some other uh, work both in LA and here in Denver that really allowed me to start just settling into kind of coming back around to that whole self-love practice that we were talking about where I'm like, I am enough. I'm just like you. That's why I think Terrence, we're very similar. Obviously I have a, a, a voracious desire to constantly learn, but now the come from is not so much, oh, I'm not enough and I need to become enough. <clears throat> now it's like, I am enough. And I'm even more excited than to see what's underneath the next layer of me. You know, like I keep pulling back these limiting beliefs about myself and false interpretations and, and all these other things. And it gets more and more exciting, which only propels me more. Right. Um, but I do feel like a big part of that is uh, if you're constantly working on yourself and improving yourself, then uh, how do you make sure that you can just be content with life? Like you're in Bali. Like I'm just, I'm just imagining what life looks like. It's got to be amazing. And yet for me too, I live an amazing life. And yet a lot of times I feel like I live in scarcity. Like, oh, one day when I get there and man, like I want to have, a, get remarried and have kids. I want to like, it's always like, why can I not just be happy with my life right now in this present moment, right? Versus always looking to like the grass is greener once I, you know, achieve something or get there. So that's really, that resonates with me a lot too. And not to go off on a diatribe about it, but I think it's, I think it's what a lot of guys probably resonate to as they're listening to this. It's like, yeah, okay. That's cool. It's cool that Terrence, he's a men's coach. He's doing a lot of awesome things. I can see him on social media doing a lot of awesome. And yet he's still a guy that's still working on his own journey. So thank you for sharing that. That's really powerful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll be the first to admit I'm still working on myself. In fact, any guy that tells me he's not working on himself anymore, that he's made it, I will inherently distrust. It's like, like we said, right at the beginning, you know, this is the path of the King or, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's an ongoing journey. It's, it's, yeah. it's no, never ending. Yeah. It's like the more, you know, uh, the more you realize you don't know, <laughs> you know, uh, like it just never ends. Right. And I agree. Someone who says like, Oh, I've, I've done all the things and I'm, I'm good now. I'm good. I'm like, uh, there's always more. There's always more, you know, that's the always part more. of this always life more. journey. Yeah. Dude. Thank you. Uh, like I said, I'll have to have you come back soon and, and do a part two and a part three and a part four and just keep building off of it because I feel like we could keep chatting for a long, long time. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for waking up early to join me uh on the on the podcast for sharing your gifts with the guys um and i really really do honor like the path that you're on the the gifts that you're giving back to the world with confronting because like you said it's so confronting and that's why i feel like for me too being a coach showing up for other men it it shows us a mirror and it triggers us i'll speak for myself at times i'm just like oh i don't know if i can handle this like I, this is really really intense for my own journey but that's also the 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 fulfilling part, the the payoff too, right? Like we're all doing it together. So oh, thank sure. you for just being here. Yeah. It is truly my pleasure, my friend. Yeah, absolutely. Fellas, uh, do yourself a favor. Go follow Terrence on Instagram. If you're on Instagram at Temple Coaching, right? Or check out his website, temple-coaching.com. Check out his uh, retreats, his workshops online, his coaching one-on-one, uh, all the good content on social media. Like, it's just, I've been learning a lot. And that's the beautiful part of like, like Terrence was saying earlier, like when you align yourself with other men who are doing the work and you realize we're not competition with each other, we're brothers on the same freaking path towards um, becoming a better version of ourselves every single day, then it's a lot less lonely. 
I'll tell you that. So Terrence, thank you again so much, brother. I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, man. Fellas, thank you for listening. We'll catch up with you on the next episode of Becoming Kings. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers. That's it for this one, and I want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. And if you think others may benefit from it also, share it on social media and tag me in your post so I can say hey. It would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email at podcast at johnnyking.com. Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, and follow me on Instagram at Johnny King and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Johnny King Men's Coach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.